minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Welcome to all those radio stations across Australia uh, in the community radio sector who take up the Anarchist World This Week through the Community Radio Network. I'm forever grateful uh, of having the opportunity to uh, speak to you. You can't speak back. No, you can't call. But you can't speak back. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com or you can uh, you know, send letters to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And if you really feel the, feel the need, you can send messages to 0439 395 489. If you wonder what anarchy is all about, it's a very simple concept. You don't need a doctorate of philosophy to understand what anarchism is. You don't even need to go to grade to school. The word anarchos from the ancient Greek means without rulers. An anarchist is somebody who wants to live and or create and live in a society where there are no rulers, not no rules. What gives rulers the ability to exercise power? It's inequalities in power and wealth, which allow other people to dominate every aspect of your waking and sleeping moments on this planet. So, are we as anarchists, do we sit in corners and wait for the magic moment, having esoteric discussions about nothing in particular? Well, some anarchists do that, and good luck to them. But those who listen to the anarchist world this week, we're much more practical people. An anarchist is anybody who's involved in struggle, which improves people's lives by devolving power, by sharing power, and by sharing wealth. So if you're involved in struggles regarding devolving power and uh, sharing wealth, well then you are a natural-born anarchist. You may not know about it, but that's what it's about. It's not some airy-fairy, esoteric, philosophical position which is unattainable. It's a very easily attainable situation. So let's move on. Okay. Housing. Now I am going to bore you with the housing question because it is a critical fundamental question. Because what we've seen lately is the water lapping at the feet of wage earners in rental accommodation and more importantly people with mortgages. With the banking sector increasing interest rates out of the cycle 
pushing the Reserve Bank aside. And with stagnant wages growth, with increasing issues about homelessness and increasing issues about the inability of people to participate in the economy, you know, like buying things, because a significant amount of their income goes on paying rent and mortgage repayments. And with the ever-present possibility of losing what what little security you have in a mortgaged house or rental accommodation, the question of affordable housing is central to any civilised discussion, and I do use the word civilised because in many regards we don't live in a civilised society. You know, if we had a civilised society, we wouldn't have you know half a dozen people owning a third of the third of the uh, world's wealth, and the you know and a few billion people owning about one percent, would you? So, it's about housing affordability. So, what is the easiest way past this hurdle? In Victoria, which I'm familiar with, because I've lived here for over 40 years, in Victoria there is a state election on the 24th of November. And if you listened to the major political parties and wasted your time going through the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC, you would think that housing was a non-issue. It's all about... Law and order infrastructure. It's all about a manufactured wave of criminal activity and infrastructure. Nothing else seems to be of any importance, especially important issues like, believe it or not, housing. Hmm? You wouldn't believe it, would you? You wouldn't believe it. So, yours truly and a number of other people, a very small number of people, let's be realistic, have been fighting this battle since December 2016 to put public housing on the national and regional agenda. Because the quickest way I know of ensuring that people have housing security is for the government not to sell what little public housing stock is left, but expand public housing stock. And I can pontificate here and people say, where's the money, Joe? Where's the money, Joe? Well, it's very simple. In Victoria, which I'm familiar with, we have over 5 million people. We have almost 100,000 people on the waiting list and tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, who'd love to be able to pay 20% of their income for secure housing, 25% of their income. Hundreds of thousands of people. Makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, I mean, there's nothing wrong with renting, but if you've got children and you want them to have stability and you want them to have the same group of friends and you want them to go to the same schools and you want them to be in the same sporting clubs and you don't want them to be moving over and over again at the whim, you know, of a landlord or a landlady or some, you know, a real estate agency. Well, then people need secure housing. So what is wrong with the concept 
What is wrong with the concept of supplying public housing? Housing which is government-owned and government-managed. Now, the two groups I'm involved with is to defend and extend public housing and public housing everybody's business. And our campaign is dreadfully simple. It is so simple, even a senior cabinet minister could actually grasp it. It's based on the concept of using stamp duty revenue to build and spot purchase public housing. In Victoria, where I'm familiar with the figures, last financial year, six Billion. That's right, six billion. Six thousand million. Six billion dollars was raised in stamp duty. What is stamp duty? Stamp duty, those of you who haven't had the pleasure of being in the housing market and being a mortgagee, which I have, is a tax you pay the state government when you buy a home. So what is wrong with quarantining that money to provide public housing. With $6 billion, you can spot purchase twenty to 25,000 units and houses around Victoria, and you can do the same thing in any other state in this country or territory. And in Victoria, you can get rid of the waiting list within 12 months. 12 months. And if you quarantine stamp duty revenue for public housing, you can house a million Victorians, almost 20% of the population, within a decade. And think of the positive spin-off to the economy. And the positive spin-off to the economy is these people who are now paying 40, 50, 60% of their income in order to have a roof over their heads will only pay 25% of their income and we'll have all that extra money to spend on goods and services and improve their lives and the lives of their children. Think about it. Simple. It doesn't take a genius. It's simple. It's moronically simple. It is so simple, it seems to be beyond the grasp of our political masters, beyond the grasp of the corporate sector, beyond the grasp of the corporate-owned media, beyond the grasp of the government guild at ABC, beyond the grasp of all those community and affordable and you know social housing sector, which are basically a cover for private organisations, that the way forward is not to give taxpayers' money and titles of public housing over to private organisations, be they for profit or not for profit. But for the state government and each state and territory government to invest in human beings by providing safe, secure, affordable housing. So what if a few less tunnels are built? So what if a few less tollways are built, which are financed, you know, by the public sector. So what? So what? So to this end, we have been holding spectacularly unsuccessful rallies 
on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House every month since December 2016. And we want to make this a significant issue at this state election. That's what we want to do. We want to make it a significant issue at this state election. So why shouldn't housing be central? Central to the discussion at this state election. And in order to do this, we will be holding a 10-day vigil on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House from Wednesday the 14th of November to Wednesday to Saturday the 24th of November which is election day we will use our bodies to highlight this issue because nobody's been listening this is one of the most difficult campaigns i've been involved in the in the, in the 50 years i've i've can describe i've been an activist and i'll tell you why because the usual suspects are not supporting us. The government of the day is hell-bent on privatising public housing. The current minister in Victoria, Mr Foley, has this extraordinary policy which will see over the next decade public housing disappear, being taken over by private organisations as if this is the way forward. Anybody who's got half a brain who's been looking at what's happening at the Royal Commissions into the banking and insurance sector and hears about the atrocities in the aged care centre understands that you cannot leave it to private organisations who are interested in their bottom line, whether it's for-profit or not-for-profit, to run an essential service like housing. So all our entreaties are fallen on deaf ears. So it's up to you. We will do our best to make this an election issue. We will do our very best, but without your assistance, we will fail. It's that simple. Without, without hundreds, if not thousands of people joining us on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House from the 14th to the 24th of November, all our efforts will fail and I will give you 100% guarantee that if either the Liberal National Party or the Labor Party in Victoria are re-elected in their own right, public housing will cease to exist as an entity in the state of Victoria. And we will see the end point of the deregulation, privatisation agenda which has been pursued by governments at the local, state and federal level. So the ball is in your court. We are doing what we can, but without your assistance, we will get nowhere. So take your holidays on those days if you're working and join us. Or come along for a few hours. Or if you've got any entertainment skills, come along and entertain us during those days. Let's make this the focus of the Victorian state election, not their bodgy, fear-inspired law and order campaign and their pedestrian, privatised infrastructure program. Now, on the 
Today, if you listen to this program on the 19th of September, we will be unfurling the banner which we will be holding for those 10 days on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House at midday. It's a five metre long banner, over a metre wide, and it encapsulates the very essence of the campaign. So come along, join us. And if you can't make it in September, you could make it in the rally in October. And if you can't make it in October, I'm sure you could spare a few hours from the tenth to the from the fourteenth to the twenty fourth of November. Because housing is fundamental to resolving many issues. It's not the panacea for Nirvana, but it is a mechanism via which we can tackle many issues. We can tackle issues of poverty. We can tackle issues of homelessness. We can tackle issues of isolation. We can tackle issues regarding, um, you know, crime. And the list goes on, on and on. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Scone. I'm hosting today's program. All right. Keep your eyes out. Two websites you can go to Defend and Extend Public Housing or Public Housing Everybody's Business. Friend us. Befriend us. Send out the material on your web browsers. And if you ain't computer, if you're not interested in computers, you can always write to us and we'll send you out the material which you can photocopy and distribute in your neck of the woods. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Now, I'd like to make... See, words are everything in political, social and cultural struggle. They are everything. Because words can be twisted in such a way as to destroy political, social, cultural movements. Words are everything. And it's extraordinary the confusion which occurs when we talk about things like not-for-profit organisations. Now, currently, Mr Morrison, in an attempt to hold on to what few votes he has in the elderly population, because obviously if you're over 65, you're going to vote for the Liberal National Party, aren't you? Because fear is what drives you. And obviously he's been forced to call this Royal Commission, whose references, I assume, will be relatively limited. But you never know. Royal Commissions have a habit of going their own way. So what is the difference between a not-for-profit and a profit organisation and a cooperative and a collective? What is the difference? Well, we all know about corporations for profit organisations. Their mission statement is, let's make money irrespective of the human, social, environmental, national consequences. It's that simple, all right? You're a corporation. You're publicly listed on the stock exchange. You need to raise money. People invest in you because they get a better return. And how do you get a better return? You squeeze your workers. You provide substandard services. And people talk about it, and you rip them off. I mean, anybody who's been following the banking and the 
Insurance Royal Commission, will now say, oh, Joe, Joe Toscano and all your ilk, you've been talking about this for 40 years. You've been talking about this for 40 years. Now, the corporate sector is designed to maximise profits for its major shareholders. You've been talking about what we're going to reap, that if you sow on barren ground, stuff doesn't grow. And if you don't fertilise stuff, it doesn't grow. And we are seeing these organisations doing what they were designed to do. They are designed to maximise profits irrespective of the human, social, environmental, national cost. That's the reason for existence. That's what corporate capitalism is about. That's what capitalism is about. Then you've got, as we see in the ageing, age sector and the, you know, the housing sector and the you know, social security sector, all these other organisations saying, we're not for profit. We're charities. We're doing it for the love. They're not doing it for the love. They are doing it to bolster the fortunes of the religious organisations which are behind many of these organisations or the welfare of the people employed in these organisations as they fight for market share. Look at the question of homelessness. There are so many grants out there that are given to these not-for-profit and, you know, so-called not-for-profit organisations, most of them religiously based, that if you gave the money directly to somebody who was homeless, you wouldn't have a homeless problem. But they churn it over and over and over again. So when people talk about there is a difference between Private corporations are not for profit. The difference is minimal. Ultimately, they're all private corporations. A collective or a cooperative is a different kettle of fish. It's a different brand of whiskey. It is formed for the benefit of the members. That's what it's about the benefit of the members of that organisation. That's what it's about. It's a totally different economic system. It is an economic system which is not based on the state. We have a public sector and it's not an economic system which is based on private profit. It's an economic system based on the ability of people to get together form organisations for the benefit of the people in those organisations. And the great dilemma in this country is there is no seeding funding for cooperatives and collectives. And we have said over and over again on this program for over a decade now that a good way to build a third leg to the economy outside the private sector and outside the state sector is for 1% of superannuation funds to be allocated to act as seeding funding for cooperatives and collectives. It's not a charity. It's a business investment, and cooperative collective would pay that seeding funding off over time. Some would fail. 
some would succeed, like any, you know, banking arrangement. But no, no discussion. It's all about decreasing the the, uh, public sector, increasing the private sector, outsourcing major state responsibilities to the private sector, whether it's sections of the public hospital, whether it's the prison system, whether it's the distribution of social security benefits, whether it's homelessness, and the list goes on and on. As I said, words mean everything. Now, I've got my tax statement recently, and you get a little blurb which tells you how much of your the taxes you've paid go to what area. And I couldn't believe my eyes. There in big letters was welfare. 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 A derogatory term at the best of times. It's not about welfare. It's about social security benefits. It's about creating a system which ensures that everybody has access to the basic necessities in order to maintain social cohesion and social security. It is not welfare. Another example of how words are used to destroy people. Now, I couldn't believe it. Well, I should believe it. I should be old enough to believe it. But I couldn't believe it when I hear major figures, major political figures, major media figures talk about African gangs, Pacific Island gangs. I mean, these are Australians, right? They are Australians. The great majority are born here. Do we hear about English gangs? Or Scottish gangs? Extraordinary. Extraordinary the way language is debased and used to abuse, marginalise. He's on welfare. She's on the dull. The list goes on and on. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Scott. I'm hosting today's program. If you are, want to learn more about anarchism, more about uh, the things I'm involved in, more about the things that uh, people, uh, activities people are involved in, there's a few uh, Facebook pages you can go to. You can go to Joseph Toscano, which is my personal Facebook page. No, you won't find out the colour of my, the bra I wear. There is um, uh, Toscano for the Public, another Facebook page. Public housing, everybody's business. Defend and extend public housing. Peter Norman Commemoration Committee, and I'll speak about that in a few minutes. Anarchistmedia.org, the Anarchist Media Institute. PIPSI, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. Don't allow the application form. Join Public Interest Before Corporate Interest today. There's no point crapping on about this and that. There's no point sitting at home. There's no point crying about how horrible everything is. Because it's gonna, it's gonna be, it's, it's gonna stay that way until you do something about it. It's that simple. I mean, you can look to the right, you can look to the left, you can look forward, you can look behind you. You can see if anybody else is standing up. They're not going to stand up.
because we are the people we've been waiting for. And talking about if you want to break your social isolation and you don't want to go to a rally and you just want to have a bit of a fun discussion, you can always join me on Wednesday night if you're in Melbourne, 6 o'clock to about 9 o'clock. La Porchetta, about three, I think it's 392 Raftown Street in Carlton North. Join me. Other like-minded people, have a drink, have something to eat, have a conversation, talk about nothing in particular, make friends, break your social isolation. You know, pay for your own food and drinks. Don't expect me to pay for them, because <laughs> I won't be. But turn up. If you don't like it, you don't have to turn up a second time. That's the way it goes. Turn up every Wednesday night, 6pm to 9pm until further notice. La Pocchetta, 392 Raftown Street, Carlton North, 6 to 9. You know, it's a little bit slow from 6 and 7, but after 7 it seems to heat up. Okay, let's move on. Basic income, well, we could talk about that, but I don't think we will. I'd like to talk about the Peter Norman Human Rights Week. Now, people say, ah, oh, what's all this garbage about Peter Norman? It happened 50, you know, 50, you know, 50 years ago. What's all this garbage? Just another old white male, you know. Well, let's get this into perspective, eh? Let's get this into perspective. On the 16th of October... 1968, while America was burning during the riots which were, which were ravaging the United States of America, the race riots, the Afro-American athletes, see, Afro-American athletes, and if you want to talk about, it's Afro-Australians, Pacific Islander Australians. New Zealand Australians. Let's get it right. So Afro-American athletes had a big debate of whether they should boycott the 1968 Olympics or participate. They eventually decided to participate, but they formed the Olympic Project for Human Rights. And on the 16th of October 1968, when Peter Norman, the little runner from Australia unexpectedly split the American runners, Tommy Tommy Smith and John Carlos, and uh, got the silver medal with a record speed of 20 seconds for the 200 metres, a speed which has never been defeated by an Australian, 50-year record in existence. He was approached by the American runners, Mr Smith and Mr Carlos, who told them that they would show their defiance and their support for universal human rights. And this wasn't Peter Norman's struggle. He was just a bloke in his mid-twenties come across for a race. This wasn't his struggle. But he stood up and he said, I will stand with you. And he wore the badge, the Olympic Project for Human Rights, and he stood with them 
and he supported them when they were bundled out of Mexico City by the United States Authority back to America to face a lashing by those so-called compatriots. And the same thing happened to Peter Norman. 1960, that was a very different era. We still had the White Australia policy. It was the year that... Sorry, it was only two years previously that Aboriginal Australians were actually counted as citizens. We had to have a referendum to do that. Isn't that extraordinary? So every day, every day, each and every one of us find ourselves in this situation where we see unacceptable behaviour. Whether it's bullying, whether it's racism, whether it's homophobia, whether it's nationalism, we see unacceptable behaviour around us every day. We can walk away, and that's what the majority of us do, and I must admit I have done it also in my life, to my chagrin. Or we can say, stop it, I will stand with you. This is unacceptable. I will stand with you. If we had men and women in the Liberal Party, in the Federal Parliamentary Party of all places, the very place where laws are made, who would stand up, not use weasel words like Kroger and, 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 you know, uh, Morrison, but would stand up and say, I will stand with you and took a leaf out of Peter Norman's book, then maybe the disgraceful behaviour we see in Parliament today and what we've seen for decades would finally be stamped out. So to celebrate this week, the Peter Norman Commemoration Committee, which my late wife, Ellen Jose, and myself established in 2012, after we were approached by the late Trevor Grant, a well-known sports reporter in Australia, especially Victoria, who couldn't get any articles published regarding Peter Norman and what that meant because Peter Norman had died in 2008, that we started to have events to mark Peter Norman Day. So what was Peter Norman Day? When Peter Norman was buried here in Melbourne in 2016, Tommy Smith... And John Carlos came from the United States of America to act as pallbearers and spoke, delivered eulogies at his funeral. And the president of the American Track and Field Association, all came, also, or a representative from the American Track and Field Association, also came to his funeral and declared at his funeral 
that the 9th of October, the day of his funeral, will be celebrated as Peter Norman Day. Not just as a day to celebrate the man, but not just as a day to celebrate his feat as an athlete. But most importantly of all, to celebrate the idea of other human beings whose struggle it isn't, who stand up and say, enough is enough, I will stand with you. I will stand with you. And the Peter Norman Commemoration Committee has organised a extensive program from the 9th of October, Tuesday the 9th of October, to Tuesday the 16th of October. If you are in Victoria, Peter Norman Day, the 9th of October, will be congregating outside the Melbourne Town Hall at midday on Tuesday to mark that day. We want people to speak about what Peter Norman Day means to them. On Thursday, the 11th of October, at 7pm, there's a public forum with guest speakers at the Coburg Library, the corner of Victoria and Louisa Street in Coburg. 7pm, that's Thursday. If you're interested in athletics, the Victorian Athletics Association will be holding two Peter Norman Classic races on Saturday the 13th of October at Tom Kelly Athletics Church at 1-2... Athletics Track, not the bloody church, Track. 123 George Street in Doncaster. At 2.30pm, the Women's 200 Metres, Peter Norman Classic. And at 4pm, the Men's 200 Metres, Peter Norman Classic. And on Tuesday, the 16th of October at the Melbourne Unitarian Peace Memorial Church at 110 Gray Street in East Melbourne, we will be holding a Human Rights Summit, the Peter Norman Human Rights Summit. And I'll go through the program, which is finalised now, and you can access all this information by going to Peter Norman Facebook page or www.peternormancc.com. Just put Peter Norman commemoration committee and it'll come up. So the program, 10am to 12.30pm, keynote speakers. Look, I'll, as the convener, I'll start off the uh, event by making some introductory remarks, relatively brief, just to tell people what it's about and the ins and outs. Carolyn Briggs, Senior Bunarong Elder, will be doing Welcome to Country. Then Janita Norman, Peter Norman's eldest daughter, a patron of the Peter Norman Commemoration Committee will be speaking. Then Sandri Kadri, another daughter of Peter Norman, another patron of the Peter Norman Commemoration Committee will speak. Then there's a pre-recorded keynote address from Dr John Carlos, the USA 200 metre bronze medalist for the 1968 Olympics, where he makes a eulogy to Peter Norman and what Peter Norman stood for. It's about what he stood for. It's not just about the man. It's about what he stood for. He didn't have to say, I will stand with you. He didn't have to come back to Australia and be treated like garbage. Was, you know, the fact that he was never was able to run at the Munich Olympics for the first time in 
Australian history. There are no sprinters at Olympic Games. The pre-recorded address will be then followed by Robert DiCostello, MBE, the Australian former world champion marathon runner and founder and director of the Indigenous Marathon Foundation. Then after him will be Lydia Thorpe, the Greens member for Northcote and the first woman Indigenous member of the Victorian Legislative Assembly. Then Robert Starry, very prominent criminal defence lawyer in Victoria, best known for defending Julian Assange. Tasneem Chopra, consultant, author and prominent activist addressing social justice issues. Then Jacob Rumbiak, West Papuan academic and political leader who has been in self-imposed exile in Australia for over 10 years, who spent over 10 years in Indonesian jails for resisting Indonesian occupation of West Papua. Evelyn Tadros, barrister and co-founder of the Human Rights Arts and Film Festival. And last last but not least, there'll be an address by Philip Lee Liui from the City of is a City of Melbourne Council. And why the City of Melbourne? Because part of the campaign we are conducting is to ensure that what he stood for is encapsulated in a significant interactive monument in the Melbourne CBD, because each and every one of us can be Peter Norman. Then there'll be a a pre-recorded keynote speaker, Dr Andrew Lee, who was the MP who organised the Federal Parliamentary Apology to Peter Norman in 2012. 12.30 to 2pm, entertainment and lunch, West Papua, Sampari Catering, West Papua and Catering. Lunch is available for a cost of $12 per person. I mean, this has all been done by volunteers. Every single person who's appearing is a volunteer. Everybody on the Peter Norman Commemoration Committee is a volunteer. We give freely of our time because we believe, we believe and we support that sentiment. Uh, uh, We'll have Megan Kimber, singer-songwriter, uh, Black Orchid String Bag, which is a, comprised of West Papua and Freedom Fighters, and Les Thomas, an Indigenous singer, songwriter and activist. 2pm to 3.30pm, there'll be a question and answer forum, panellists to be finalised, and uh, closing remarks at 3.30pm by Janita Norman on behalf of the Peter Norman's family and myself. So, big day, free entry, turn up, turn up early. I'm sure seating will be... Uh, taken pretty quickly you may have to stand but turn up on the day if you support Peter Norman and more importantly if you find yourself in a situation today or tomorrow or next week or next month or next year where you see things that are unacceptable stand up and say I will stand with you and when you stand Other people will get their courage and they will stand and that behaviour will wither away. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. So there's lots of things happening. Now, just to remind you, it's a busy, busy end of the year. We're not the usual, you you know, winding down at the end of the year. We're just winding up. So there's the Peter Norman week, 9th to the uh, 16th of October. Then on the 11th of November, we have 
Francesco Fantine Day, where we go to the Murchison Cemetery. Francesco Fantine was an anarchist who was interned with fascists in an internment camp outside Adelaide at Camp Love Day, 1942, and murdered. His body is now interned in a mass mausoleum of all Italian prisoners of war, internees who died in Australian prisons during the Second World War. So we go there. There is a ceremony to mark the event. We go there to remember Francesco. We are his family. He's a fellow anarchist. He won't be forgotten. Starts at 9am. Used to have a light lunch. So it's a big day. So it falls on a Sunday today, Armistice Day, the 11th of November. And remember, the 11th of November is an important day. And why is it an important day? Well, the 11th of November, 1854, was the day the Ballarat Reform League was formed. That is the day. That is the organisation that was behind the Eureka Rebellion, the Ballarat Reform League. On the 11th of November, 1880, Ned Kelly was hung here in Melbourne. On the 11th of November, 1918, the Armistice Day, an extraordinary day, an extraordinary war that saw over 120,000 young Australian men die needlessly on the altar of God, King and Country. 62,000 on the battlefields, another 60,000 died within 10 years of returning home of war wounds. And on the 11th of November 1975, we saw the dismissal by the Governor-General of an elected government. And talking about elected governments, isn't it nice to know that poor old Malcolm, despite all the money he has, can't beat Rupert. Now, when Mr Murdoch and Mr Stokes got together and said, enough is enough, Malcolm's got to go, Dutton's our boy. If we can't get Dutton in, we'll get the other, you know, stop the boat chap, Morrison, to be leader of the uh, Liberal Party. And guess what? The Liberal Party members, federal parliamentary members, almost to a man and woman, followed their leader's instructions. It's good to know that the Liberal Party is a spineless bunch. I'm actually feeling sorry for them. I know you shouldn't feel sorry when, you know, people are down, that type of... But I actually feel sorry for them. They're imploding. And you know why I feel sorry for them? Because they were stupid enough to re-pre-select Tony Abbott. Hopefully the people of uh, his electorate in Sydney will get rid of him at the next election, as the people of... Uh, in, in Queensland, we'll get rid of Mr Dutton. But you never know what can happen in a big city. You never know what happens in a big city. So, and then we've got the 3rd of December, which is Eureka Day, which we always celebrate. So why bother celebrating Eureka Day? It happened in 1854. Eureka Day is not just about Eureka. It's about all the social, cultural, political movements, that act of defiance ignited and we can still feel that flame over 160 years later because to me the Eureka Rebellion encapsulates what is the best of humanity 
And that is encapsulated in the Eureka Oath, the oath that was taken on the 29th of November at Bakery Hill. That oath is very simple. We, not white Anglo-Saxon males, but we, all of us here, we, swear by the Southern Cross, not a religious reference, but the fact that these are refugees, many of them political refugees from all corners of the earth, refugees from class-ridden Europe, refugees from the failed 1848 wave of revolutions which swept Europe, who'd come to this country to make a new life for themselves, finding the same divisions which they'd escaped from, the same autocracy, the same impediments here. And the Southern Cross, you can only see the Southern Cross in the Southern Hemisphere. These were tent cities. No television, no internet, no mobile phones, very few books, a little bit of entertainment. Tent cities, people looked up at the sky, they saw the Southern Cross. It reminded them that they had come to a new continent for a new life. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other. Solidarity. The essence of all political, social movements. Solidarity. Standing together. The essence of the trade union movement. The fact that when six agricultural workers at Tullpuddle swore an oath to join together to improve their lot as agricultural labourers, they get deported to Australia, the Tullpuddle model. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight. That's right, and fight to defend our rights and liberties. These men and women knew that those who exercise power will not give you your rights and liberties, rights and liberties which they believed they were born with, which they believe no one could take away from them unless you fight for them. And many of them paid the ultimate price and are buried at Bakery Hill. And on, and the, and on the 3rd of uh, December, which is a Monday this year, we will be remembering and celebrating that event. Not just because it occurred 160 years ago, but because it still has ramifications today for each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. And I invite you to come along to the day. We'll have a program out soon. Also, if you know somebody who's worked their butt off over for decades or even a decade or a number of years pursuing a particular issue, trying to improve people's life, and you know they will never be recognised in the New Year's honours list, I should say the Invasion Day honours list, or the Queen Lizzie's honours list, by those in authority, and you believe they should be recognised, well, why don't you nominate them for one of six Eureka Australia Day medals, and nominations are now open. In the name of the person, a way to contact them, 
and a sentence or two about why you are nominating them. And they may receive a Eureka Australia medal on Eureka Day at Bakery Hill, at the very site the Eureka oath was taken. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. So if you think there's nothing happening in the, in the world, there is. All we're waiting is for you to become involved. Think about it. You can game all your life, watch as much porn as you like, drug yourself out of existence, take all the medications you need to fight your depression, your reactive depression, or you can come and get involved. And if you don't like anything we're doing, form your own group, form your own activity, because the key to change is action. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. Messages 0439 0439395489. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Don't forget the public housing rally. Midday, steps to the Victorian Parliament House, 19th of September. Come along, now. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Download the application form to join public interest before corporate interest. Go to pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Download the application form. Join us. Help us register as a political party. Go to the Facebook pages, Toscano for the Public, Joseph Toscano, Peter Norman Commemoration Committee, Defend and Extend Public Housing, Public Housing Everybody's Business, and the list goes on and on and on. It's up to you. Listening to The Anarchist World this week, next week on your local community radio station. And it doesn't matter where you are in Australia, come and join Pipsy. Download the application form, pipsy.net. Public interests before corporate interests. The only reason we're a lucky country is because we've bloody fought hard to ensure that it is a lucky country and it won't be a lucky country the way things are going without your support to turn the wagon round. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station courtesy of the community radio network listen in next week evil minds that plot destruction sorcerer of death's construction an analysis you'll never hear anywhere else anarchist world this week australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse 10am every wednesday Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.